0: As we come to the scriptures, let us join our hearts in prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Illumine these ancient words so that they might become your word to us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 8. Let us listen for God's word. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beast of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now we turn to the New Testament lesson for today. These words come from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, Paul is writing to this little Philippian church from prison. There are some commentators who call the church of Philippi Paul's favorite church. Now, Paul's not here to corroborate that judgment. However, anybody who reads the letter to the Philippians can be very clear that this is a group of people whom Paul loves very, very much. The portion that we'll be reading today from chapter 4 verses 1 through 9 is the beginning of the close of the letter, and it's very much the close of a love letter to these people in Philippi. And as the words are read, I would invite you to hear these words not only as Paul's love letter to the Philippians, but God's love letter to you a church right here in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Again, let us listen for God's word to us. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Drenched in Superpowers. Drenched in superpowers. Superheroes. We love our superheroes, don't we? A billionaire playboy goes out in the evenings after donning a mask and a cape to fight off the bad guys. An alien works as a news reporter and then slips out into the streets of the city to combat villains. A young African man returns home. He rallies his allies, and he secures the future for his people. A female police officer goes out, garbed in militant vigilante attire, and she confronts a pseudo-KKK group. These superheroes go by the names of Batman, Superman, Black Panther, Sister Knight, and they capture our imagination whether they leap from the colorful pages of comic books or now stream into our living rooms. They capture our imaginations whether we are boys and girls or men and women, because they give us some hope that when all is said and done, one day it will happen. Good will truly triumph over evil, and all will be saved. Perhaps you remember how Lena Waits, the actor and screenwriter, picked up on the theme of superheroes when She and Aziz Ansari accepted their Emmy Award a couple of years ago. She began her acceptance speech by saying, I give a shout out to all my LGBTQIA family. I see each and every one of you. The things that make us different, those are our superpowers. And every day you go and you put on your imaginary capes and you go out and you conquer the world. And the world would not be as beautiful as it is if you were not in it. And for everybody who has showed us so much love, who has embraced a little Indian boy from South Carolina and a poor little black girl from the south side of Chicago. We appreciate it more than we could ever say or that you could ever know. Did you hear how Lena Waite's acceptance speech echoes what Paul writes in Philippians chapter four? Paul essentially writes, I'm giving a shout out to you my beloved Philippian community. I see each and every one of you. I see you, Uodia. I see you, Syntyche. I see you, Clement. I see you, all my coworkers. And you have superpowers. They are the superpowers of gentleness, the superpower of prayer, especially the way that you have prayed for me, the superpower of standing firm in the face of worry, suffering, and death, the superpower of peace that emanates from you. I see that because every day you are putting on that cape of your superpowers that has been given to you in your baptism. And you go out because the world would not be as beautiful as it is without you. And Paul might have added, for everybody who has embraced this little Jewish boy from Tarsus, I say I appreciate it very, very much. Now, I added that last part, but, you know, the last part of Paul's letter to the Philippians, frankly, sounds very much like an Emmy acceptance speech. The well-known scholar of world religions, now late scholar of world religions, Houston Smith, has written that it is the quality of life of the early Christians that actually enabled Christianity to become very established as a world religion. And Houston Smith, in in his writings, say that there are these two specific qualities that became a linchpin of the world looking at Christians and that becoming the means by which Christianity began to spread into all the points of the world. He, he said, You know, people looked at Christians and they were just ordinary people, ordinary people like those who would see them. But they seemed to have grasped that secret of achieving success and that endeavor that everybody wants to su- succeed in, and that is the living of life. And it was a sense of tranquility, of simplicity of cheerfulness that people saw. And it was that they not only heard then Christians proclaiming the good news, but they saw with their own eyes the effect that it had on their lives. Now, there were these two qualities that Houston Smith lifts up as particular qualities of those early Christians that were so influential. The first of those qualities... Was mutual regard, that is equality. These early Christians, particularly in this Philippian church, did not only talk about the ways that God regards everyone as equal in divine eyes, but they actually ordered their lives in this way. There was no race or gender or social status separation. But they lived in community as a a way that there was no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, as Paul writes in another of his letters, the letter to the Galatians. We see this particularly in the way that Paul writes this section and how he speaks of Euodia and Syntyche. Now, From our vantage point, we may miss how radical an idea it was for Paul to lift up the roles of Euodia and Syntyche, two women in this community, as being co-equal leaders with Paul and with Clement and with all these other workers. And indeed, there are some interpreters who want to say that uh, what Paul is saying to them is meant to quell a kind of a catfight, if you will, between these two women. But David Fredrickson, who teaches New Testament at Luther Seminary, refutes that interpretation. He refutes it on the basis of saying that what we read about the Philippian church, both in this letter and in the book of Acts, indicates that there was no significant conflict in that church. And also, because he commends to them to have the same mind that is in Christ. He's making use of a saying that appears earlier in the letter to the Philippians that's addressed to everyone. And so David Fredrickson suggests that it might be a better translation to say, regard the whole world in the same manner. And he goes on to say that when he When Paul writes that uh, the community is to help Euodia and Syntyche, what he is actually saying is that they are to give them some financial support for their ministry. And uh, so Paul very much lifts up the, the community and the leadership of these women. And that was something different that the world could see. Now, um, some of you know that Wednesday marked the 41st anniversary of my ordination to Ministry of Word and Sacrament, and I'll have to say that I was a little surprised, but happily so, that it was noted in our weekly email. But as we come to this text, I will have to say that I can only uh, regard this text somewhat through the lens of my own experience. Um, prior to my retirement at near the end of 2017, for several years before that, I was a part of a coaching group of other senior ministers of larger membership churches, and we met monthly. One of those On one of those occasions, the uh, facilitator addressed a question to us, and the question was this. On the days when You are most inclined to throw in the towel and to call it quits on ministry. What keeps you there? Well, you know, ministers have days like that. (laughs) Just as you do in your job. And sometimes those feelings of wanting to throw in the towel become pretty intense. However, when the question was asked, it was easy for me to respond to it. On those darkest days of my ministry, what kept me from throwing in the towel was the children. For you see, when I was growing up in 1950s South Carolina, women could not be ministers in the Presbyterian Church. And so the experience of never having seen or heard or known somebody who looked like me made it sometimes very hard to believe that God had given me some gifts gifts that I might use to serve God and to reach out to neighbor. And my friends, I do not wish for that kind of world for any little boy or any little girl today. Rather, we are called as we all are called. I give thanks for those days in ministry that I was able to look into eyes, and now in this unexpected post-retirement part-term parish associate ministry that I have at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church, to look over the tops of masks these days into eyes And to say on Zoom, in classes, and in meetings, I see you. I see each and every one of you. And God has drenched you in superpowers of love and grace and mercy. Through the waters of baptism... So put on those capes of God's love and grace and mercy when you get up every morning and go through your day sharing those gifts because the world will not be as beautiful a place as it might be if you do not do that. The first of those qualities to which Houston Smith referred was this, mutual regard, equality. The second was joy, happiness, and Paul refers to this here as well. Houston Smith even gives it another term, radiance. It is the radiance that comes from the deep belief that the imago dei, the image of God, is in every person. And I will have to say, brothers and sisters of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church, that in these pandemic days, I also see the joy of each and every one of you. I see your joy, staff of MPPC, viewing the inability to gather in person Not as a limitation, but as an opportunity for creative response. Creative children's messages, creative mission, creative worship and faith formation and youth ministry. I see your joy, Sunshine Group and Food Ministries team, as you deliver rosebuds and cradle crosses and loaves of bread. I see your joy, Stephen Ministers, as you take your cell phones and you dial the numbers of your care receivers and you listen and you pray with them. I see your joy, people of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church, as even at a distance, Via Zoom, you worship and learn and serve and love and give. And now to conclude the sermon and bring it back to where we started, that is to superheroes. A while back, I was talking with a friend who happens to be a preschool teacher. And somehow we got on the subject of superheroes and who were the popular superheroes among preschoolers today. And Hattie, my friend said, well, you know, in our classroom, the most popular superheroes are the police officers and the firefighters. They just can't stop dressing up and going out and saving people. Well, it's true, isn't it? Even in these days, our superheroes are our firefighters and our police officers. And we add today, everyone who is working so hard in the medical fields and as we approach the beginning of school, teachers, school administrators, all who are working in the educational realm, and that includes parents, step parents, grandparents, and students. You're our superheroes. And so I conclude by saying to you, as Paul said to the Philippians, I see each and every one of you. So go out there and put on the capes of your superpowers that have, which are drenching you by virtue of your baptism. And when people look at you and experience what you are doing every day, then surely they will say with Paul, The Lord is near. Amen.